Good morning. Good morning. Perhaps some of you feel some difference in this room. Perhaps not. I want to talk this morning about faith and practice, or you might say trust, practice, or we might say practice, trust. Get it. There's not much more to say if you get it. We're a suspicious lot (laughs) in this so called. Okay, so postmodernist is one word we're accustomed to, but how about post-enlightenment? You know, the age of enlightenment, Western age of enlightenment, the age of post-enlightenment, right? Suspicious of everything. What was the Western Age of Enlightenment all about? Any historians here? Anyone who's ever read anything about our civilization? It was about individualism. (laughs) Individualism. Enlightened, also called reason, right? The Age of Reason in which what flourished? Scientific examination. No longer was humankind to be held captive to superstitious mumbo jumbo, right? No more of that darkness. Feel fine about that? This is what we inherited. In our usual way, the age of reason was seen as progress. In fact, progress, the word progress, is none other than the manifestation of the age of reason. So here we are. We've progressed. The genius of what Buddha taught is that it does not depend on someone else's understanding. We're all quite aware that there is no such thing as dogma or teachings that cannot be questioned. In fact, the whole of what he taught was to encourage us to find out for ourselves to challenge anything 
that anyone, no matter how evolved, how high, says to look at it. How does this function in my life? What is this question? Everything. What is this? How can I understand it? So you might say, well, that sounds like suspicion. That sounds like the age of reason. That sounds like it can't have anything to do with trust, right? Master Rinzai, in this passage that I quoted in the talk that I gave called In the Midst of Fear at Austin Zen Center, which is in our new newsletter, says, if your faith is insufficient, you will keep on wandering in confusion. No matter what the circumstances, you will be controlled and led around by others. You will not find freedom. If your faith is insufficient, because you don't have enough confidence in yourselves, you search outwardly. Now, when Master Rinzai speaks of confidence in yourself, what is he pointing to? Typically, in Western terms, we think of self-confidence as somehow affirming and asserting the ego, right? This is not what Master Rinzai is speaking about. To have confidence in ourselves requires that we fully testify to what we just recited together, which starts out. Sentient beings are primarily all Buddhas. This primarily all Buddhas, fundamentally you are Buddha, fundamentally have faith in this. Last night we had a purification empowerment given to us by a wonderful elderly Tibetan Rinpoche, Lobsang Jingma Rinpoche, wonderful teaching. And once again, so many people misunderstand, for example, someone who wasn't there asked in a joking way this morning, so, are you empowered? This wonderful uh, ceremony that we took part in last night begins with completely 
dropping away, completely dropping away all the bundle of karmic conditioning and negativity we firmly believe is what we mean by the self when we say, oh, myself, I myself. I don't have faith in myself. I should have more faith in myself. I should have self-confidence. This self, we drop completely. Drop completely. And enter into what? We may call it emptiness. We may call it nothing whatsoever. No trace. One hand. This. But calling it anything, of course, is adding something. So we drop body, drop mind, and then step by step, taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, purifying just as we did this morning, confession of all the most minutely subtle, all our accrued karmic stickiness, looking openly at the ways in which we perpetuate our greed, our anger, our delusion, and with deep, deep, strong intention purifying this. You know, another misunderstanding of such a ceremony or our own morning service is that it's somehow something that can happen to us, that we just sit here and recite and therefore we'll be better human beings. This requires our greatest effort, not with some kind of gaining idea. Oh, if I really work hard, I'll get something. Not at all. As Rinpoche said last night, as many of our wonderful Zen teachers have told us over and over through the thousands of years, if you strive for something, if you try to become Buddha, never. Just effort. Just deep motivation. Just intention. to recognize the ways in which we impede our Buddha nature and to give our entire being over to it, to Buddha nature. Instead of putting all of our energy into these impeding ways in which we live that are arranged around the protection of this fiction of ego, 
this fictional self based on ignorance. There are many, many, many ways to practice. We have a tendency to think that one language or one culture or one particular set of instructions is better than the others. I have been training in Rinzai Zen for many years and the more I sit, the more deeply grateful I am for all manifestations of Buddha's teachings throughout every culture, every language, every manifestation to invite the Rinpoche and Lamas and monks here does not mean that somehow we don't find our own Rinzai Zen way sufficient. To enter into the Buddha's teachings fully and directly as they come to us with gratitude is not a matter of saying, oh, this is Zen. Oh, that's Tibetan. To do so is to be the captive of your suspicious mind. If you wish to remain captive, okay. At some point, some future life, you may become more receptive. Okay. Each in your own time. receive the blessings as they are offered. I don't want those blessings. Somebody may feel this way, okay. Those blessings don't match what I'm looking for. Fine, no problem. This looking for, of course, keeps us from receiving. So much of our problems occur because we have some limited view of how things should be, of what we need, of what practice is. There's a wonderful passage in the Diamond Sutra. Of course, there is no not wonderful passage in the Diamond Sutra, but one that I often think of is spoken not by Buddha, but by Subhuti. World-honored one. If anyone listens to this teaching in faith, with a pure, <coughs> lucid mind, he or 
she will immediately conceive an idea of fundamental reality. In ages to come, in the last 500 years, that's our era. If there are men and women coming to hear this teaching who receive and retain it with faith and understanding, they will be persons of most remarkable achievement. They will be free from the idea of an ego entity, free from the idea of a personality, free from the idea of a being, and free from the idea of a separated individuality. All those who have left behind every phenomenal distinction are called Buddhas. Lists practice. Leaving behind every phenomenal distinction. Sitting in zazen. Chanting morning service. Attending a ceremony of empowerment such as we had last night. Opening out of emptiness to Buddha, leaving every phenomenal distinction behind. We chant at the beginning of our morning service, Atadipa, you are the light. Awaken to this. Viharata, do not doubt. Do not be suspicious. Have faith in this. This is who you are. This light. This light being. The other day, I had lunch with Sister Kathleen Osbelt. Some of you met her when we had our dialogue at Syracuse University. And she and I have been meeting from time to time to talk about our, our understanding, albeit through two different traditions. This last time we met, she brought me a book about which she had spoken some time ago called Against the Pollution of the Eye, Selected Writings of Jacques Lucerin. This amazing person was uh, born and raised in France and around the age of eight was in an accident in school and lost his sight. He says some really amazing things in this collection of essays about seeing. And I was thinking after, I'm not finished with it yet, but I've been really quite taken with it. I was thinking it after reading several of the essays about the name given to 
dogs that help those without sight. Seeing eye dogs, right? Seeing eye. Mm -hmm. And thinking this eye, E-Y-E, to take this eye and make it I, capital I. This is what he's writing about, the seeing eye. So in other words, not the eye of ego identity or separated individuality, not the eye of the self that we put our confidence in, but the I, the capital I of this very same faith in yourself that Rinzai speaks of. I. This true I, true self. And he says something rather interesting about what happened to him. He realized that when he became blind, he could see light. He could see beings. He could see everything more clearly than he could when he had his sight. What dwells in the head of a blind person is the light, he says. Should we say in his head or in his heart, perhaps even in his eyes, what difference does it make? The light is neither within nor without, but encompasses the whole being and wipes out the barriers we have created out of habit. These barriers are what we dropped last night. The light, he says, the light is here. That is the only certainty. And so all is light in this blindness. And what is more, this manifest luminosity contains a magnificent lesson. Since my childhood, I have been impressed with a phenomenon of surprising clarity. The light I saw changed with my inner condition. Partly, it depended on my physical condition, for instance, fatigue, restfulness, tension, or relaxation. Such changes, however, were relatively rare. The true changes depended on the state of my soul. When I was sad, when I was afraid, all shades became dark and all forms indistinct. When I was joyous and attentive, all pictures became light. Anger, remorse, plunged everything into darkness. A magnanimous resolution, a courageous decision, radiated a beam of light. Mm. This too is what we entered into last night, having been led to the point of being able to visualize the light within and to have the intention to offer this light to all beings, to offer love for the happiness of all beings, to offer compassion to lift the suffering 
from all beings. This is truly the only reason we are here. There are many more things that I'd like to read from this book, and I may in future talks, but what he is saying and what we experienced last night are really one and the same. Hmm? Really amazing. And of course, it's not simply that we must invite Tibetan master and have empowerment purification ceremony, but that we must offer ourselves to truly give ourselves to this practice. Rinpoche said last night, if you think it's just a matter of getting something, getting this empowerment, and then your life will be fine, it's not at all that. This is just the beginning. This is just for you now to really practice, to truly practice this every moment of your life. At every moment, as you know, you are always offered the opportunity to be lazy, to fall into old habits, old self, little self needs. It takes a lot of work, doesn't it? This is the whole point. You can't just say, oh, so-and-so said something and I believe that. This faith must be generated out of your practice. This practice generates faith, right? Trust, practice. Practice, trust. And as I have said, it is not a matter of Zen, Vajrayana, Theravada. It is just what we have, this Buddha nature revealing right here, right now, in this very body, in this very place. I'll conclude with one of my favorite passages of Dogen Zenji from Life, Death. That's a catchy title, huh? <laughs> Free body, mind, and abandon it. We did last night. Drop it away. Abandon it. Throw yourself into the house of the Buddha. Let him initiate you and simply follow him effortlessly without anxiety. Then you can be free from samsara and become a Buddha. Throw yourself into the house of the Buddha. Whenever something comes up for you in your mind, in your 
life, in your circumstances. I can't. I'm afraid. I don't know. That's not something I understand. Immediately, this is your effort, all right? Throw yourself into the house of the Buddha. Let him initiate you. This is our empowerment. To be initiated. Where is this initiation coming from? Where? Buddha is not somewhere else outside circumstances, right here in the midst of samsara. Buddha is initiating us all. Simply follow him effortlessly, without anxiety. Then you can be free from samsara and become a Buddha. Then you are no longer enslaved by what you thought reality was. Then you are fundamentally is right here, right now. Primarily is right here, right now. Simply are. Truly. And Dogen then asks us, can anyone resist doing so? And then you may be thinking in your mind, yeah, but, because you are so well trained in the age of reason. <laughs> so then he has an answer for you. There is a very easy way to become a Buddha. Okay. So write this down. Refrain from all evil. Don't cling to samsara. Have deep compassion for all beings. Show a reverential heart toward elders. Be kind to the young. Don't dislike the myriad things. <laughs>